0: If you have your Bible with you this morning, I encourage you to open it up to John chapter 15. As you're turning there, I want to remind us uh, of why we are in this series that we are currently in. It's not um, just so we can add another checklist to our lives. We've been using four chairs uh, as an example of maturing in discipleship, maturing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, and it's not—it's not—it's not a self-help series because we know as, if we're sitting here in chair one, there's no amount of self-help that can help us out there. All right, but this is this is a, a, about entering into a entering into and deepening a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because without God reaching down into your life. There is no way that you can come to a faith in Jesus Christ. We've talked about chair number one, and we'll review that again. But in chair number one, you are dead, and there's not a thing that a dead person can do to help themselves. You need God to do something supernatural in your life. And why is this important? Because without God present in our life, we cannot do any good works. We, we, without the Spirit taking over our lives and empowering us, without us surrendering to the Spirit, there, is no, there can be no evidence of salvation in our lives. And that's important to us because a tree is known by its fruit, and believers must be producing fruit. I've been here about 15 years, and uh, from about the, the first Sunday I was here, I've been saying something to our kiddos, and now I have the opportunity to say it to you that the most important decision you will ever make in your life is what you do with Jesus Christ. It's not who you choose to date, not who you choose to marry, not what school you're going to go to, what career you're going to go into, how much or how little money you make, where you live. All of those pale in comparison, as important as they are, to what you do with Jesus Christ. And that's why we're taking two months now to focus on our relationship with Jesus. And using this picture of four chairs to help us just be able to wrap our heads around what that means a little bit more. That it's, a, it's a picture, it's a reminder, it's also a system that we can use. It's, it's steps that, 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 uh, that we can take as we desire to, to grow into maturity. Because more than anything else, we want you to see who Jesus is, to put your faith in him, to desire to look like him every single day that he gives you breath, to expand his kingdom by being what we're talking about today, a chair for disciple, who is a disciple making disciples, who makes disciples. And that's why for this week and next, while we're going to focus on that chair, on chair number four because in one way on one hand right this is the most comfortable chair out of all of them because in that chair you have this relationship with Jesus Christ that you just don't have in any of the other chairs because your your relationship has matured you have grown closer to him so there is comfort there there is security there but on the other hand this is what we'll talk about next week chair 4 is dangerous because chair four is, is going to be uncomfortable to sit in, because if you're a chair four disciple, it's going to lead you to do some of the most dangerous things that you've ever done in your life. It's going to lead you to go places that you never imagined yourself going. It's going to, you're going, it's going to make you have conversations with people that you never thought you'd have with people, talk to people that you never thought that you would rub shoulders with. Being in chair Four is safe because you are—you have this special relationship with Jesus Christ, your Savior. But it's dangerous because of the love that has been shown to you and the sacrifice that has been paid for you. You realize that you must go and imitate your Redeemer by chasing after those who desperately need Him. So, a quick review. Uh, We've been using chairs, and some of you have been paying attention, at least to the chairs that have been up here, maybe not to the message, but the chairs, that we've had different chairs up here every single week, right, to represent every different venue, every different place that we may live our lives, right? Uh, Office chairs, because we spend a big chunk of our time at work. Dining room chairs, because we, 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 we circle or we sit around a table and we share meals together. Living room chairs because we go there and relax. School desks because uh, we spend, depending on the season of life that we're in, we spend a lot of time in school. And, 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 and soccer chairs or basketball chairs, not basketball chairs, they have bleachers. But, but, but lounge chairs, right, around a campfire, on a soccer field, with friends sharing a hot dog together. Right? Every season of life, we desire to be a part of this maturing journey that we are on. And we started with chair one. We started with this chair, and it's pretty easy to describe people who are in this chair dead. And there's not anything that a dead person can do to help themselves out, it takes something supernatural to change this person, to give this person life. So we, we refer to this as, as, as death. We refer to this as someone who might be seeking but hasn't yet, yet found. But God reaches down into this person's deadness and does a miracle and brings death to life, darkness to light. And this chair represents those infants those babies in Christ, those believers who, who recognize at least enough that Jesus is something special, that he, and they recognize him as the son of God. They may not understand fully what that means. And if we're honest, we, none of us will probably ever understand completely what that means until we're in his presence. But this person is a believer, a baby, an infant, growing right? to this person, Jesus said, just come and see. To this person, he said, follow me. And that's all I'm asking. Just step where I step, go where I go, pay attention to what I say, pay attention to how I love other people, but that's it. It's pretty safe. All you have to do is follow and pay attention. But over the course of time, this infant grows into uh, through adolescence and becomes a teenager uh, and moves from milk and Gerber baby food to stuff more solid and matures in their faith, learns more about who this Jesus is. And, and, and just as we do with our, our, our children as they age, we give them more and more responsibilities and more and more freedom. So that's what happens here. We see this with Jesus and his, his disciples, how he, he sends them out. We're going to reference that in just a little bit. But he calls them back in to give a report. Right? Now you're going to start becoming fishers of men. Come and see. Simply follow me. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You're going to start doing what I do. Coworker is what you are in this seat. And then today we want to talk about this chair four. That person who has been completely weaned uh, from, from milk and, and, and mushed up food that is eating solid food all the time, who is, who's, who's, who's a meat eater, who's, who, uh, who has now been sent out and this is what we want to talk about today. So, so dead, and then a baby, and then a, a teenager, this person is a parent. This person is a grandparent who is now defending truth, who is now telling the story of Jesus, who, who is now bringing in disciples more and more and more. It's be, these, this person lives a different kind of life, a holy life, a peculiar life. This person is reproducing disciples. Something more than that uh, we see in the Gospel of John. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. That's what I want us to pay attention to this morning. That, that this chair for, this, this parent, this mature believer, this dependable person who has, who has learned what it means to endure, who who has become more and more proficient at defending the faith and teaching the word, who is living a different type of life. And in John 15, we see even another aspect of a chair for disciple. So in, in John chapter 15, we're going to, over the course of the next two weeks, we're going to read this whole chapter, look at this whole chapter. But today, we're going to look at the first 17 verses. So if you would, follow along with me. Jesus says, I am, the, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may produce more fruit. Already you are clean because the word that I have spoken to you abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me i am the vine and you are the branches and whoever abides in me and i in him he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me he is thrown away like a branch that wi- a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that, you, that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that somebody lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all that I have done, or for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask for in the name of my, in the, ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command so that you will love one another. Father God, we thank you for these verses. God, we thank you that these are the words that Jesus says to his disciples, to his apostles, not too long before he's taken to Calvary's cross. That he has trained these, these disciples to, into a more committed, a closer, a deeper relationship with you. God, may we desire and may your spirit lead us to this same level of relationship. God, may these words speak truth to us this morning, as we desire to be more and more like you, our Savior. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Uh, Yesterday morning, we had the second of what we're calling a preaching, a teaching academy, and uh, uh, about 20 of us were upstairs in the summit. We just spent time learning how how to handle God's Word. And one of the tools that we shared was this thing called the Step Bible, S-T-E-P And it's a, a, a neat, free resource tool that's out there. And the thing that I like about this is that you can pull up like John chapter 15, and you can hover over a word. And when you hover over a word, maybe you ho- hover over Jesus' name, and every place that Jesus appears, whether it's a pronoun or whether it's his name, appears in uh, is highlighted. It's like plugging in your Christmas tree lights. Right? And they just all come on. So there's some neat things that you notice when you go to John 15 uh, in this tool. If you hover over the word abide, you see 11 times that it pops up. If you, if you go to love, nine times love appears on the screen. Fruit and, and or bear fruit, right? eight times. Father, 11 times. That is some, that is some relational language that is very prevalent in, these, in this chapter. And, and it tells us something about uh, who these individuals are at this level in their relationship with Jesus Christ because people in chair four, they're no longer seekers. They are not merely followers of Jesus Christ. They're not even just coworkers with Christ in his mission. Three times in these 15 verses, these individuals are referred to as friends, friends of God, abiding in the Son. Think about what it means to be a friend, right? maybe to the person you're sitting next to, maybe to the person that you go on vacation with or that you, got, that you and your spouse go out to dinner with, that, that you're in a, a, a Bible study group with, that you do life with. Think of what it means to be a friend. It's different than how you would describe your relationship with a coworker. At least I hope it is. Right? There's more deepness to it. So think about what it means right, to be a friend of God. A friend of Jesus Christ. This, this idea, and these are all coming from John chapter 15: this abiding with the Son and with the Father. Abiding. That's a that's closer than just standing shoulder to shoulder, right? That is an intimate relationship. You are clean because of the word that was then spoken to you. Right? That's something that happened way back here when you were sitting in chair one. God made you clean through the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been just to pull some from this chapter. You are full of joy. You have been chosen. You have this enhanced prayer life that because your will is so closely knit, so tightly knit to the will of Jesus, that whatever you ask is going to be given. There's hardly any distinguishing between your will and your Savior's. This friendship goes beyond servanthood and beyond what a coworker is. Because we long to be with friends. We want to be around them because we share commonality. We, 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 we feel security there. Friendships involve this deepening relationship, a, a freedom to enter into one another's space, a freedom to pick up a phone uh, early in the morning uh, and give somebody a call because you need them at that time, and, that's, and, God, and God is even more available than that. We enter into the rest, into rest when we are a friend of of God. If you go back to the Old Testament, there's some pretty cool people who are referred to as friends of God. Moses and Abraham. Now, we, we, we rank people, right? And we rank heroes. And these two heroes are pretty high up there. Moses talked with God on Mount Sinai. Abraham had a relationship that was strengthened, but even started out strong enough that he was willing to leave home and go south and east and west and north and south and uh, a bunch of other directions to follow where God was leading him. These are some heroes of the faith. And now we see Jesus talking to his disciples, and he's calling them friends. And because you and I can have the same relationship with Jesus Christ that Simon Peter, that, that, that James the Less, that, that, that Thaddeus had, we too are friends of God. We, we are called friends of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about what has happened here. All right, we, it's been five weeks for us, but those five weeks have been representative of th- over three years that Jesus spent with these disciples. When he first said to John, some of John's disciples, hey, just come and see. Hey, and, and, and how he transformed them into followers and how they chased after him wherever he went and just paid attention. And then they became coworkers and labored alongside him. And now he tells them, he calls them friends, and he's saying, go and do what I have done. I've spent time investing in you, Now you go and do the same. You go and bear fruit. Get out of here and go on mission. A few principles to remember as we strive to be in chair four. A chair four person is concerned about multiplication about growing the kingdom. Did you see the words that were used? Um, be, go and bear fruit, and may your fruit abide. Which means they're going to come back here, and they're going, to, they're going to become followers, and they're going to become coworkers, and they're going to become friends as well. And they're going to go and bear fruit, multiplying the kingdom Something else that we have to, to, to realize, and we'll talk more about this next week, is that chair four people may at times look different from other Christians. Because sometimes we get hung up in chair two, in chair three, somewhere in between. We get in this rut. We get stuck just in the, uh, the muddiness of life. And we look and we see a chair four person just still going strong and still driving through. They look different. And sometimes we're jealous of them and our jealousy often springs up out of guilt because that's not what we are yet. But chair four people look different than other Christians. And chair four people look different from each other because they have been gifted uniquely by God to take the message to the world. Some people do that by speaking in front of thousands. Some people in front of hundreds. Some people by sitting in a living room and having a conversation about Jesus in their home. Some people across a a restaurant table as they share a meal together. Or as they spend weekend after weekend after weekend with the same group of families as as you travel all over the state uh, to play soccer. Chair four people look different from each other because God has gifted us each differently. But what we have in common is our mission. We desire to see the kingdom multiply. You know, there's three times in Scripture where Jesus wept. If I gave you a few seconds, could you think of them? There's one when Jesus' good friend, Lazarus, passed away that shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. All of us, some of us guys will admit that when our Sunday school teacher told us to memorize a verse, that's the one we memorized. Jesus wept. Uh, Jesus in Luke chapter 19 wept over Jerusalem. He looked down over this city uh, uh, full of people that he desperately loved, loved enough to come and die for. And he said, oh, I just wish you had even a, the slightest bit of knowledge about where your peace would come from because they were missing the point. They were so wrapped up in the, uh, the religiousness of their day that they were missing the Messiah. And he wept over them. In Hebrews chapter 5, the Hebrews writer there talks about how Jesus, uh, loud cries and tears as he cried out to his father who could save him. It's a picture of what we see in the garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is sweating and he's praying and he's 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 he, he, he's he's yelling out to his father if there's another way of doing this let's do it but your will and not mine. Three times that Jesus wept. There's one time in scripture where it says that Jesus is full of joy. Luke 10:21. Jesus had sent 72 of his disciples out, those guys who were in chair three. He had sent them out. And a little bit later, they all come back. And, and this is where we're going to wrap up this morning. So if you, you have your Bible, I encourage you to turn there. But he, he, in, 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 chapter 10 of Luke starts out with Jesus sending out the 72. In verse, 70, in, in verse 72, in verse 17, right, this group of people come back. Pay attention to what they look like now. Right, how they're characterized. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They, 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 they go out, and they're coming back, and they are on fire because they've, they've witnessed some amazing things. They've been able to do some amazing things, and I'm glad they pointed out here, in your name. Notice what Jesus says to them in verse 18. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We're going to come back to that in a second because that is an amazing phrase right there. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then turning to His disciples, He said privately, Privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. These guys witnessed some amazing things, and we know that there were some things they they weren't able to accomplish Because they came back and said, we couldn't do this. And Jesus said, this can only be handled by prayer. But they come back on fire. And they're taking the next step in their journey. And Jesus tells them, in essence, you saw some cool stuff. But don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The miracle above all miracles. The supernatural that cannot be explained in in any other way other than Jesus doing a work in a dead person. Rejoice in that. Share in that. That is what brings a smile to Jesus' face. He's so happy because these disciples of John that he called three, over three years ago just to come and see have, been, have moved into becoming followers of him and co-workers with him. And now he is able to send them out as friends who share the same mindset, the same mission that he does. The celebration, the joy that Jesus is talking about started way back here when this person was moved from chair one to life. And the angels in heaven broke out in praise and celebration. Hebrews tells us that there's this group of people, uh, there's this cloud of witnesses who are applauding us as we move, as we mature through our life, as we become more and more like Jesus, as we follow and then we start taking baby steps out on our own and, and becoming work coworkers with him. And here, As as his friends are now accepting his mission as their own, he rejoices. This morning, I want you to see with amazement how awesome it would be to be a person characterized as a chair for disciple, to be able to say that you are a friend of your Redeemer, and what that means for you, I'm going to ask you one more time this morning: where, in in which chair, or which chair represents where you are right now? Okay. My goal, I, the the day that I the, 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 that I uh, that I long for, is when all of us desire and move into chair number four where we are, have that intimate of a relationship with our Savior. But maybe you're clear down on the other end of the spectrum this morning, right? that you have not yet surrendered to Jesus Christ. My prayer for you, my desire for you, is that that, 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 that tapping that you have on your soul, maybe that whisper in your ear, <laughs> maybe that screaming in your ears, that you relent to the Holy Spirit and the work he is trying to do in you. That you open the door to your heart and profess who Jesus is. Fall to your knees and surrender to him. There's not a special prayer. There's not, not a, 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 a certain uh, situation or, 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 or sequence of words that you have to say. It's a surrender. It's throwing up your hands and admitting that you are a terrible God. You're a terrible redeemer. You are adept at messing things up even more, and you need him to come and change you from death to life. If you find yourself in chair two, in chair three, I pray that that is not where you get bogged down, that you don't become complacent, that you realize how much Christ loved you when he came and gave his life for you. when he he allowed he allowed himself to be ridiculed for you, to be chased out of towns for you, to be betrayed for you, to be arrested for you, to be stripped of his clothes and beaten by soldiers, to be placed on a cross for you, to agonize in death because the weight of your sins was holding him on that cross. His love for you held him to that cross. That he came and lived the life that we couldn't live and died a death that should have been ours. And three days later proved again that he's bigger and better than we could ever be when he defeated death, when he walked out. When we sing that, when we, when we sing the song about, about Him, his body beginning to breathe, it just gives me chills that love conquered death. And if we Quit fighting the Spirit's working in our lives. Not only can we be transformed from death to life, but we can become friends of the one who came to save us.